I want to just share a little bit with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, go with me to Psalms 132. We believe, like David, this is a house of praise. This is a house of prayer. We are jealous over the things of God. We, it was a word the Holy Spirit gave. And it says repair Tuesday night just went. The Holy Spirit just took totally over Tuesday night. And we didn't even go according to plan. And it was just a prophetic and words of knowledge. And one of the things the Lord said He was going to do with the teachers this year was make them jealous over their students. As we prayed for the students and the teachers in school as they get ready to start. We believe that there's going to be a godly jealousy as the teachers prepare and they, they, they desire to watch over their classroom and, and these lives that they've been given responsibility of. And, and we just believe in the midst of the turmoil and the chaos and the confusion. God is doing some awesome, deep things in the hearts and the lives of our children and, and the children around the United States. In Jesus' name, do you agree? And I want to read to you tonight our Psalms 132, verse 1. And I've read this to you. Lord, remember David in all his afflictions. How he swore to the Lord and vowed. And I talked to you about this, about vowing to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed or give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. How many of you want to be that place? How many want to be that temple where God is able to come down and just dwell with you? Till I find a place, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Verse 13, he says, For the Lord has chosen Zion, and he has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. We want to be that place for God. And then we read in Psalms, uh, what we saw in, in verse 5 about, uh, he, wants to, in verse, he wants to have a dwelling place for God. And we saw one of those words there is the words that means for a beggar. He, he said, and David all through his life begged to be in the presence of God. He says, I want to be a place for God. I want to have a heart that's receptive to God. I want a new sensitivity. How many are praying for a new sensitivity? A deeper sensitivity for the things of God. I want to be that dwelling place. I want to be that ear like Samuel that you can call. I can say, here I am I, Lord. I want to be that voice that you hear in the morning. I, I want you to be that voice that I hear early in the morning. And it goes about being begging. I shared with you about beggars in the Bible that if you read that they were the ones who usually got the healings. And that they were there and they were just something. I've got to have more of you. I want more of you. I want to be like, like when, you know, when your kids are small. They, they, all the kids, when they're small, they want to be like dad. When they get older, they don't want to be like dad. But when they're small, they want to be like dad. And they walk behind you so close that when you stop, they bump into you. That's how we want to be with the Heavenly Father. I want to be that one that just is so close to God that when He stops or when He turns around, I want to be right there to be right on the heels of God. And I believe that's what God is wanting to do. And then in Psalms 27, 4, it says, One thing I have desired as a beggar, I'm begging of the Lord that I will seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold, to have the vision of the prophets, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. The message translation says, I will contemplate His beauty and I will study at His feet. And we, and we were singing tonight about how the glory of the Lord can be that eclipse from the things that just try to come in our way and, and try to stop us. And I want you to look with me in Psalms 137. We're real close right there. Psalms 137, and this is something that David was warning the people about. Psalms 137, verse 1. 
by the rivers of Babylon. How many of you know Babylon is the place of captivity? That's the place we don't want to get to. But this is where they were going. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat down, yea, and we wept. When we remembered Zion. Now look at verse 2. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there are those who carried us away captive and asked of us a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? What I want to tell you about this right here, David is warning about something. He's saying, don't ever hang your harps up. Or in other words, don't ever quit singing and worshiping the Lord. He said, we hung our harps up. David had a heart. Listen now. David had a heart. Uh, Brother Marvin, could you tell the worship team to, to get in here? Because they need to hear this. Please, sir. They can drink water later. They're taking a long time. I want, it, I want them to hear this because this is a charge from the Lord. In fact, what I'll do is I'll just read it again. Because it's something you just don't read every day. In Psalms 137, verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, captivity, idolatry, professionalism. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and we wept. When we remembered Zion, we remembered our freedom. We remembered what it was like to flow in the Spirit. We remembered the sensitivity and the excitement and enthusiasm to worship the Lord. But what does it say? We hung our harps up. For the willows in the midst of the revival. For there are those who carried us away captive and asked of us a song. Sing one of them songs. How I many you know it's hard to sing when you're in captivity? Because it's the songs of Zion that looses the anointing. And it says, And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, Sing us one of those songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? It goes on to say that the tongue cleaving to the roof of their mouth. And what I want to share with the worship team here and with each and every one of us, because it's not just the worship team. We're called to be a house of worship. House of prayer, house of praise. And what they were saying here was we took it for granted and we allowed the house of worship to become a house of entertainment. We allowed the place of centering and focusing on God to be a place where we come to focus in on ourselves. We come to be heard by man, but not to please God. And David, through the Spirit, asks of the prophet, is saying, if you stop singing and you stop praising from your heart, revival will not come and you will die in captivity. As you know, Paul and Silas started singing songs at midnight, and I wonder if they didn't think about this scripture. As they were sitting there in prison, they were thinking, as they were saying, you know, we just want to complain because our bodies are hurting and this place is damp and these chains are heavy. But I wonder if Paul started saying, but let's remember what David said. If we hang our harps up, if we stop singing and stop praising, then we're just 
then we're just going to stay here in captivity. But if we start praising God in the midst of it, in the midst of it, we start singing songs with all of our heart and with all of our soul, and we start praising God because, you see, the song of the Lord releases the Spirit of the Lord. The song of the Lord releases the river of the Lord. The song of the Lord releases the prophetic and the word of the Lord and the mind of God. And the enemy wants to bring in and the enemy wants to to uh, get us down in situations where we sit down and we say, oh, my life is just too heavy. I mean, how can I? I don't feel like singing. We come to church. I don't feel like singing. But David is saying you need to read this scripture well, because even though you're the river of Babylon, you can start. If you start singing in Babylon, you'll get out of Babylon and you'll go back to Jerusalem, the city of peace. The enemy would do anything to try to get us to, out of a lifestyle of worship and a heart of worship and praise. Because Jesus even said, my father is looking for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. But David had been warning about, oh, don't, don't go into the professionalism of it. Don't go into, like I shared with you, David wasn't writing songs, psalms and songs to see how many psalms and songs and poems he could write. It was all about fellowship with the Lord. He was a beggar before God all the days of his life when he said, this one thing I desire, I'm begging for. I'm begging for your presence. I'm begging to know your heart. I'm begging to hear you, Lord. And I'm not holding nothing back. And when we, we, we look at the scriptures and all that David did as he as, uh, let, let's, let's look at a few things tonight because we haven't got to this yet. Let's look at First Chronicles chapter 22. And let's see not only what David was saying, but let's see what David was doing. First Chronicles 22. First Chronicles 22. Because I believe in many ways our hearts are tested about how hungry and how thirsty we are. For Christ. And I'm believing that God is, is wanting to do something real in the worship and the praise, but are, 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 are we, are we going to backslide? Are we, are we going to just, just try to find the easy route? And, and we're just, or why are we playing music, musicians? Why are we singing? Why, why are we praising God? Why do we come to church to worship and, and praise Him? Is it just because that's the thing to do and we enjoy? Am I begging God to play for Him? Or do I want the pastor or the worship leader to beg me to play for Him? Who am I praising here? Who am I worshiping here? And I want you to see in First Chronicles 22, verse 14. Indeed, I have taken much trouble to prepare the house of the Lord. He has taken what? Much trouble. I'm going to do everything I can that the house of the Lord is valued. 100 talents. Let me read in the Living Bible. I have worked hard to provide materials for the building of the temple of the Lord. Nearly 4,000 tons of gold. 40,000 tons of silver. And so much iron and bronze that it cannot be weighed. I've also gathered timber and stone for the walls. Though you may need to add more. 
You have a large number of skilled stonemasons and carpenters and craftsmen of every kind. You have expert goldsmiths and silversmiths and workers of bronze and iron. Now begin the work and may the Lord be with you. Then David ordered all the leaders of Israel to assist Solomon in this project. The Lord your God be with you, he declared. He has given you peace with the surrounding nations. He has handed them over to me and they are now subject to the Lord and His people. Now seek the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul. Build the sanctuary of the Lord God so that you can bring the ark or the presence of the Lord and the holy vessels of God into the temple built to the honor of the Lord's name. To the honor of the Lord's name. Three of you musicians walked out and I want to know why when I've asked them to come in. I'm not looking for talent. I'm looking for the glory of the Lord. And I've asked as the authority in this place for them to be in here. I don't care how well someone plays. David has shown us the importance not to put our instruments up, not to get rid of a heart after God, but to follow heart after Him and desire God with all of our heart, our soul and our mind. I'd rather hear some sticks and some tin cans that come from the heart than from an empty sounding symbol. Because what we hear isn't what God hears when it doesn't come from the heart. We hear something really nice. But what does God hear? You see, the strings vibrate the emotions of the soul of the one who plays upon it. And when they were singing, come on Israel, sing us one of the songs of the Lord, they said, we can't play and sing because what's in our hearts will be the vibrations of man and not the vibrations that bring freedoms to the captive. Worship is spiritual. Playing is spiritual. Singing is spiritual. As we're in the congregation, it's spiritual. And it all brings up and makes a tabernacle and a presence and a place for God. Now look with me. It's Second Chronicles 29. Second Chronicles 29, verse 25. I want you to feel the heart of David. You see... We can say, oh, I want to play, I want to play, praise God. David could be going around saying, you know, I want to make God happy. I want to praise God. But did you hear of all of his personal money that he was getting together? Now listen to this. In Second Chronicles 29, verse 25, this is the Living Bible. Now we're talking about King Hezekiah. This is many, many years after David. After captivity even. King Hezekiah then stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with symbols lars and harps and he obeyed all the commands that the lord had given to king david through god the king seer and prophet nathan and the levites then took their positions around the temple with the instruments of david and the priests took their positions with the trumpets you see, you see see that the instruments of david david invented instruments he learned to play the harp in in in, in the woods but it's like this doesn't make this this doesn't make quite the sound that I'm feeling down in my spirit. There's got to be another type of an instrument. And if man hasn't made an instrument that 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 brings out what I feel on the inside of me, looses the river of God, if there doesn't exist one, then I'm going to make one. Hallelujah. 
If there is, doesn't exist something that feels what I'm feeling, then I'm going to make something. And it's like David was saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. And I know so many times where worship leaders and, 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 and different ones, unless in, in the past, unless I buy the CDs and unless I bring them to the, the, uh, the conferences and unless I get them the DVDs, but they won't ever spend their own money. And if they spend their own money, they want to be reimbursed. I want people that it doesn't matter if I've got to spend my own personal money on a new CD or a new DVD or a book or a tape series or if I have to take off and go to a conference. I want to see such a flow of the Spirit of God. I'll spend my own time, my own personal money. I'll sell something to get that book and CD. But I've got to have... I am hearing something and I'm not hearing it from everywhere. But I'm going to buy and seek and beg and look until I hear it. I'm going to get on the internet. I'm going to do whatever I can because there, there is something that's not being heard that God is crying out to hear. Second Chronicles 29. 27, it says, And Hezekiah ordered the burnt offering he placed on the altar. As the burnt offering was presented, songs of praise to the Lord were begun accompanied by the trumpets and the other instruments of David, the former king of Israel, and the entire assembly. Now, there you are. You've been saying amen to the worship team. Now, now, now we see you. Now we see you. The entire assembly worshiped the Lord as the singers sang and the trumpets blew until all the burnt offerings were finished. Then the king and everyone with him bowed down in worship. And King Hezekiah and the officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the Psalms written by David and by Asa the seer. And they offered joyous praise and bowed joyous praise, joyous praise, and bowed down in worship. And it says in the last verse, so the temple of the Lord was restored to service. That tells me you can have a temple that has a sign out of service. You can have a resting place of God that has a sign closed out of service. Because the musicians, the worshipers, and the whole assembly doesn't end with a joyous Worship and praise. We want to be consumed, church. We want to give the burnt offerings and worship Him and praise Him and glorify Him and sing to Him with all of our heart and soul. And we want Him to feel the vibrations of our heart. We want Him to feel our heart. We want Him to know our heart because He does. Look at Ezra. The book of Ezra, chapter 3. This was 70 years later in Babylon. And God raises up Ezra and they say, how can we get out of this mess? Ezra says, I know. Remember, we hung our harps up and that's why we're here. So if we want to get out of this mess, we give back what we lost. And so what does he do? Ezra. Chapter 3, verse 10. 
When the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites descended of Asaph, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord, just as King David has prescribed. What did they do? The restoration of the dream and the vow of David. The vow of David, my brother and sister, is not dead. It is alive for everyone who picks it up. And it goes on to say in verse 11, with praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave great shout, praising the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. You see, they raised it up all over again. Look at me, First Corinthians, Chronicles 16. First Chronicles 16. I'm just going to give you a few here, but I want you to see the desire of David, the heart of David. First Chronicles 16, verse 1. First Chronicles 16, 1 says, They brought the ark of God and placed it inside the special tent David had prepared for it. And they presented burnt offerings and peace offerings to God. And when he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave to every man and woman in all Israel a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. And David appointed the following Levites to lead the people in worship before the ark of the Lord to invoke his blessing, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. You see, he started appointing people. Asaph, the leader of his group, sounded the cymbals, second to him, and he goes on to speak about these different ones. And he says in verse 6, Benaniah and Jeziel and the priests regularly, regularly blew the trumpets before the ark of the covenant of God. And then they started delivering the psalm. Then it, starts, then it says they started singing. And jump down to verse 37. It says, So he left Asaph and his brothers there before the ark of the covenant of the Lord to minister before the ark regularly. As every day's work required. David, listen to the heart of David. He says, you know how faithful you would be at your farm or at your job? You know how faithful you would be on your job? You know how faithful you have to be to get on job on time and be in the respect of your boss? He says, you worship leaders, you, you worshipers, you musicians, I want you to be as faithful to the worship and to the music and to the serving God as you would to be to a regular job. That's how important it was. This is not a hobby. This is not a pastime. This is to be how you're going to sustain your life and you will sustain the revival of Israel. And Obed-Edom and his 68 brethren, including Obed-Edom, the son of Jedith and Hosea, to be gatekeepers. And it goes on and it starts talking about all these people that worship in the trumpets and, and to sound aloud the trumpets and cymbals and the musical instruments of God. Now the sons of Jedith were gatekeepers and all the people depart, every man to his house. But look what it says, there, but David returned to bless his house. He had a heart after God. First Chronicles 23. Just turn a few pages over to 1 Chronicles 23, verse 1. Listen to this now. I want you to hear the heart of David here. And when David was old and full of days, he made his son Solomon king over Israel. And he gathered together all the leaders of Israel with the priests and the Levites. Now, the, you know what the church does? The church calls the elders. I believe God is wanting to restore the foundation of David to where the church doesn't call just for the elders. The church calls for the worshipers. The church calls for the musicians. 
because there was a time when the word of the Lord wasn't fresh and they said, call forth for the musicians and the prophets started prophesying. I want to see the church atmosphere. I want to see the church start operating to where it's not just the elders or the leaders that are being called, but the worshipers and the, and, and the musicians are coming forth. And the word of the Lord is speaking. Do you see what he's doing here? He gathered the priests and the Levites in verse 3. Now the Levites were numbered from the age 30 years and above. And the number of individual males were 38,000. Listen to this. David got not only all the money together, he got 38,000 males to be a part of the worship team. Then in verse 4, what does he do? And of these, 24,000 were to look after the work of the house of the Lord. And 6,000 were to offer were officers and judges, and 4,000 were gatekeepers, and 4,000 praised the Lord with musical instruments, which I made, said David, for giving praise. Did you read that? The musical instruments that I made for giving praise. It wasn't about the best noise. It wasn't about what I could do. I made these instruments to give the best praise to my God. I am only going to give the best to my God. And I'm going to see a collection of men and women who are going to get a hold of my heart and are going to want to please God and sound forth praises to God and worship God. And you know, it talks about David's mighty men. And they were able to kill giants and they were able to destroy the enemy with a stick. And they were able to do so many things. But do you know that when you read Chronicles, all of David's mighty men were obligated to play an instrument and prophesying worship before the ark every month. He says, I just don't want a general. You better be first a worshiper. Because you, know, you know what David had to say? He says, my, my passion wasn't to be king over Israel. My passion wasn't to be just the best songwriter. My passion was first of all to be a worshiper. Because David had a vision. He said, if I could learn to, be, if I could learn to worship, I could learn to be a warrior. Because my Lord, my God is a warrior. And what he's saying, he's saying, if you're going to be mighty men of valor, if you're going to defeat the enemies and you're going to be able to get in, jump in there with line like men, with demonic forces and wrestle and come forth victorious. If you're going to be these mighty men and women of the Most High God, this is what I'm going to require of you. Not more practicing with your sword, but more playing on your heart, more singing songs and more praising God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, all of your might. David is saying the mighty men and women of God will be the ones on their knees and not the one with the swords. I will raise up warriors out of the worshipers. First Chronicles 25, verse 1. Moreover, David and the captains of the army separated for the service some of the son of Asaph and Heman and Jedathan. Who should prophesy? Who should prophesy with harps? We thank you for the prophetic on the instruments, stringed instruments and cymbals, and the number of the skilled men performed their service was the number of the skilled men performing their service was of the sons, and it starts mentioning all those, and it goes on in verse talk about those who prophesied on the harp to give thanks unto the Lord, and it just starts speaking in verse six about the direction of their father, the string music and instruments, singing unto the Lord, playing unto the Lord, and just worshiping Him and glorifying Him. And it says in number verse seven, so that the number of them with their brethren who were instructed in the songs of the Lord, all were skillful, was two hundred and eighty-eight. And it says, and they cast lots for duty, the small as well as the great, the teacher with the student. I mean, the teacher had to be just involved in worship as the student was. 
This is not just for the hard hands. I want you to get involved into worship and praise. You know, there's some places where it talked about, David said, if you don't truly worship God with everything you have, I'll remove your head. David got so jealous over God, he said, I'll kill you if you ever get to doing this as a routine. God's not going to kill us, but the battles will. If we get into a routine of just the same thing, that's memorization, practice routine, and not from the heart. That's how come David could make a vow. Because David was willing to give it all and die for preparing a place of value for the presence of God. And that's what it's going to take to change this nation. Once again, a people who are willing to, put a, to, to make a vow and make a place for God. Now the New Testament talks in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19. Do not be drunk with wine in which has destruction, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make a melody in your heart to the Lord. And Colossians 3, 16 says the same thing. James 5, 13 says the same thing. Now I want to read here in Psalms 126. Because it talked about those in Psalms 137 that hung the harps. But in, in Psalms 126. What time is it, honey? Oh my. Okay, i got to stop. I didn't bring my watch tonight. Y'all were in trouble. <laughs> Psalms 126, verse 1. Look what happens when we sing the songs of the Lord. Look what happens when we keep the instruments flowing in the heart of God. It says, it seemed like a dream. Too good to be true. When God returned Zion's exiles, we laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. And we are a one happy people. And look what he says here. I love this. And now, God, do it again. Say it with me. And now, God, do it again. Restore the tabernacle of David. Restore the vow of David to our heart. And now God, do it again. <laughs> Restore the heart of a true worshiper. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. To those who planted their crops in despair, we shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with harm loads of blessing. Don't stop worshiping. And you will reap the harvest. You will reap the blessing of God. There is no peace until we start focusing and worshiping on the Lord. And I'll finish in Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. Verse 10. Sing a new song to the Lord. A new song to the Lord. Sing His praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas and all who live in distant coastlands. Join in the chorus, you desert towns.
Let the villages of Kadar rejoice and let the people of Selah sing for joy. Shout praises from the mountaintops. Let the whole world glorify the Lord and let it sing His praise. Look at verse 13. The Lord will march forth. Look, when we start worshiping, when we start praising, then there was a place prepared for God and it says, then the Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. And he will shout his battle cry and crush his enemies. I love the message that says he's going to take charge. And his enemies are going to fall into line. Worship is warfare. Every form of worship, the dancing, the shouting, the jumping, the singing, the running, the raising up of hands, the clapping, the glorifying, the shouting. Every form of worship is warfare. That allows God to come in and crush the enemy. Cancer will not stand before the worship and the praise and the glory of God. Last Sunday morning, as we were having that awesome worship in the spirit, there were spirits that was manifesting in people. And things were being written down and left in chairs for us to end up knowing that spirits are manifesting. Because they couldn't stand the presence of God and they didn't know what to do. But you see, when Jesus would come to town, the demons would shrill. And where were they a lot of times? In the temple. Because they had hung the harps and they had stopped the worship. It became routine. It became professional. It became whatever. Let's just get it done. And we're almost about like Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. Let's just do a sermon. Let's just do a song. Let's just play the instrument. Let's just get her done. And God, the Almighty, stands and says, You have done nothing that deserves my hand of deliverance and power. We are here to please God. The church exists to please God. For so too long, men, ministers, pastors, Ministries have built a church to serve themselves. But the whole thing, reason for the church is to serve God and reach the world. The church is not built to serve man. The church is built to serve God and prepare a dwelling place. So I share with you my heart cry tonight. I share with you my desire tonight that we as the whole assembly, the whole body, we must all join in and praise and worship. I ask you to pray for the musicians. I ask you to pray for the worship team. I I ask you to pray for the sound of the Lord, the new song to be sung. I ask you to pray for God to raise up worshipers and singers and musicians. But I ask you to pray that everyone in the solemn assembly will rise and sing. So captivity is broken. I want you to pray. Pray with me that the saints are playing worship in the automobiles in their homes. 
I want you to pray that every one of us is taking seriously our moments to praise and worship God. That is truly being done in spirit and truth. Because we can fool people, but we cannot fool God. And we cannot fool demons of hell. We cannot fool diseases. We cannot fool poverty. We cannot fool depression. They laugh and send the church naked, lacking and wanting. They know the genuine. God knows the genuine. And what the Holy Spirit asking is asking for is that the genuine church arise in this hour to attack the powers of darkness. So I challenge you tonight, would you stand please? Let the worshipers arise. <laughs> let the worshipers arise and let us rend our hearts. And let us pray tonight. That everything be done to the satisfaction and the pleasure of the Lord God Almighty. I pray for the fear and the reverence of God in this place. I pray that we are taught and we desire and beg to know how to sing, how to please, how to praise you with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. Father, forgive us for being lukewarm in our worship. Forgive us for being cold in our worship and our sacrifice of praises to you. And Lord, I ask you to make us, Lord... Help us to fan the flame, Holy Spirit, so that we will be ignited and we will burn red hot for the glory of the King. Because you deserve the best. And Lord, we've said, and you know our heart, we do not desire to be just another building and another church and another name. We desire to be a dwelling place for you. And Lord, whatever we have to sacrifice, wherever we have to go through, whatever desert places we have to walk, Lord, we know that the songs of the heart come forth when we come through the wilderness. Bring a maturity into our worship, our praise, our musicians, our team. Bring a maturity in the sound of the Lord that has to be sound and heard forth. Let each and every one in their heart be faithful to sing in harmony and oneness with you. For it's the sing, singing together that brings the unity. And it's the unity that brings the oil and covers the body. Unless we get an agreement under an open heaven, then the body cannot be covered with fresh oil. We come tonight and we pray for alignment. Purity, holiness, and a hunger after the things of you, Father. Bless our young men and women who play and worship you. Lord, we bless them and we ask you to visit them. Ignite within them a desire to worship you with all their heart and souls. I pray for David's. I pray for the spirit of David and Ezekiel. Pray for the heart of John, the disciple, the beloved. 
I pray for hearts of men and women to be ignited that we all may be of those that, Lord, we pay the price to follow you to go into the realm of the Spirit where you are, to worship you in spirit and in truth. Create in this place an atmosphere where it is so thick with your glory, with your presence, that we will be unable to stand in the presence because of the glory of the Lord. Because you're so satisfied and you're so fulfilled at the worship and the praise that we give to you, Father. Oh, we pray it. We pray it, Father. Sanctify this place for your name's sake. That your great name be glorified from this place to all the ends of the earth. That the lost and the needy will be able to come into this place and have an encounter with the true God. And sense the very awesome presence of God that will, Lord, the mercy of God that will drive them to repentance and to salvation. We pray that as you shook in the times of Brownsville and all the different revivals where the people just flowed in to worship you and praise you and receive a touch from you, get free from their chains of captivity. And the songs that were birthed from a revival. Lord, I believe that there are songs that will be birthed from the revival here in Pineville. I believe that there are songs and ministries and ministers that would be birthed from the revival in this place. Because we will meet, not, we will not hang our harps upon the willows in the presence of God, but they shall be used to glorify you. That the song of the Lord will not be lost. Well, I praise you for raising up a people of worshipers. I pray in the name of Jesus. Let this be holy ground. Let this be holy.